Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Booyah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw! Fuck me again! I don't like confrontations! Buzz, look at aliens! Where? You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 The adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! <laughs> It's too fast! How could you even tell what's on? Too late, I'm in the 40s. Gotta go around the horn. It's faster. He's stealing Woody. Somebody do something! Woody! Was kidnapped. Woody once risked his life to save me. I couldn't call myself his friend if I weren't willing to do the same. I'm packing you your angry eyes, just in case. Let's move, move, move! Geronimo! <laughs> to infinity and beyond! Don't talk to any toy you don't know! We'll have to cross. You're not turning me into a mashed potato. I may not be a smart dog, but I know what roadkill is. Drop! officially freaked out now. What are we gonna do, Buzz? Use your head. But I don't want to use my head! This Thanksgiving, the toys are back in town. Woody saves the day again! And just trying to get home. <laughs> it isn't a real rescue without Buzz Lightyear! In one piece. <laughs> We've been down this aisle already. We've never been down this aisle. It's pink! Back it up, back it up! I'm a marriage spot. I'm a marriage spot. I'm going to let go of the wall. Uh, what? He would. Uh, One. He would. Two. Five. Three. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Toy Story 2. Ride like the wind, bullseye. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast presents Superior Sequels, I think is what I'm calling this. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike. I got Craig. I got Tori. Say hello. Hello, hello Internet. <laughs> and we're not doing a good thing because that's, that's in the regular recordings. 
and I don't want to do that. So, yeah, this week, not this week, this month. This is going to be like a monthly thing, I think. I'd like it to be a monthly thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2, and since I brought these, I'm going to try to make the case that Toy Story 2 is better than Toy Story 1, which I don't think is actually all that much of a reach, honestly. Uh, yeah. I'm already convinced. But starting us off, Tori is going to give us a recap of Toy Story 1. Take it away, Tori. Okay, so... Toy Story is uh, the tale of Woody, who is a toy cowboy, and is the favorite toy of a little boy named Andy. Woody loves Andy and loves everything about being Andy's favorite toy. Um, but then one year for Andy's birthday, uh, Andy acquires the brand new state-of-the-art, everybody-wants-this-toy Buzz Lightyear action figure. Uh, Buzz Lightyear has karate chop action and um, buttons you can press and laser lights. and um, Man, can't... who doesn't want that? I know. Can't actually fly. They they do say that in the commercial. Um, so once Andy gets Buzz Lightyear, he's all about Buzz Lightyear. Like, redecorates his room in Buzz Lightyear paraphernalia. And uh, Woody is just kind of relegated to second place. Um, Woody trying Sorry, to... Sorry, I need, I need to interrupt here. Uh, the birthday happens a week before they're planning to move, and... Yes, yes. Andy puts up new posters in his room in the week before they're moving. Dude, he's a kid. I mean, what do you expect? It's... See, that's, that's something that we can talk about when we discuss the movie, because that is a... I agree, that's a problem with the movie. Okay. So, yeah, they are getting ready to move, and everybody's picking out their moving buddies. We don't want any toys left behind, and Woody is just, oh, he's so tired of Buzz Lightyear getting not only all of Andy's attention, but all of the other toys' attention. Like, the other toys really like this Buzz Lightyear guy. Um, So he hatches this plan to get Buzz out of the way by knocking him into the space behind the dresser, I think it is. Um, But but the plan goes wrong. Um, Buzz is accidentally knocked out the window, and the other toys think that Woody has tried to kill Buzz. Um, so they 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 basically lynch him, uh, like throw him out the window too. And, A completely uh, valid accusation. Completely valid. It didn't like go it the really, way he intended to, yeah. but yeah, Woody's super it, guilty here. It really looked like he was trying to kill that toy. Um, so Buzz and Woody are both um, lost outside, and it, it's very devastating for a toy to be lost. So Woody is trying to get back to Andy uh, to, you know, take 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 Buzz so that he can clear his name and get back to Andy. Um, the problem here is that all this time, Buzz has not realized he is a toy. He thinks that he's really Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger and is trying to navigate this alien planet and get back to the fight against the evil Emperor Zerg. So while Woody is dragging Buzz along and trying to... Um, um wait, I have to interrupt. I just had, I just thought something. Tim Allen is also in Galaxy Quest. Right? <laughs> he's basically playing almost the same, ca- It's it's like a Kirk type character. Ooh, I need to go back because I've I've just realized uh, I I said it wrong. Woody did not fall out the window. Um, the family had decided to go on a trip to Pizza Planet, 
at, which is a, a restaurant similar to some other pizza themed restaurants that you might have heard of. Um, and as they're in the car on the way to Pizza Planet, that's when Buzz shows up like he um, when he fell out the window, he managed to climb in the car. Um, so then Woody's like, oh, great, I can take you back with me and clear my name. Uh, and the two of them end up fighting and falling out of the car. So then they're lost. Um, but Woody knows that if he can get to Pizza Planet, then he will find Andy there. And then the two of them can go back to Andy's room. Um, as they are in Pizza Planet, uh, Buzz is trying to find a spaceship so he can get back to outer space. It's a whole big thing. They end up um, getting found by Sid, the evil psychopath neighbor child who is um, going to grow up to be a serial killer and like likes to break all of his toys and blow things up and is just a horrible human being all around uh so now now they're in real danger of being broken and exploded and torn apart um but they are right next door to andy's house uh so as long as they can get out of sid's house and get back to andy before the moving truck drives away they're gonna be all right uh so they they have some uh adventures there's a, a great escape and um, ha have to pull together to uh, with Sid's uh, other broken toys in order to overcome this villain and uh, make it back to the moving truck before they lose Andy forever. And uh, by working together, the two of them become Buzz and Woody become friends, and um, and they make it back to Andy, and there's a happy ending. Yay! So the short version is Woody gets broken up with and then tries to kill Andy's new boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, that tracks. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a buddy. Movie. It's it's a breakup revenge movie that that then turns into a buddy movie when when Woody you know tries to make up for the horrible horrible thing he did. Not because it's wrong though. Like Woody Woody is kind of a villain in this one. He is. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he's not trying to make up for what he did because it's wrong. He's trying to make up for what he did because everybody saw him do it and nobody likes him anymore. So. One of the things is when they were originally designing this movie, um, I don't know if you want to get into this now, but Woody was originally going to be a ventriloquist dummy uh, named Tinny. Oh, that's way worse. That's so much worse. Yeah. Have you seen some of the the early artwork? Like, it's creepy. No. Like, like Woody is all-out villain. He, he was totally supposed to be the antagonist of the movie. Um, I'm Did... glad they didn't go in that direction, but you can tell, like, in the first half of the movie... He really is sort of, he, I don't want to say, he, he's an antagonist. He's not a villain, but he's definitely antagonist in Spuds. Did they use the designs for the ventriloquist dummy to make Andy? Because it looks like it. <laughs> so... I still think Scud looks the worst of, of all the supposed to be alive things. Because he, he's like bulbous and it's, it's like a dog doesn't really look like that. But this is 95, guys. Like, this is, this is. I mean, we have to, we have to give. Pixar credit for and this was the first full-length computer animated movie like yep. it was the first one and before Toy Story they had done short films and they had done special effects and other films but this was their first full-length movie and at the time when it came out I I don't remember seeing anything off about it like it was just an amazing animated movie but going back and watching it now with fresh eyes you you can really see all of it like just um how 
how rudimentary it is for a computer animated thing. Like, I mean, it, like even things like um, they hadn't figured out how to do hair. So everybody's got short hair, um, including the dog. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, so I think it looks good. I think it was a smart decision to focus on toys because given the state of animation, they don't look that bad. Like, no, the, to toy, the toys look, look great. To the toys look like plastic. The people look bad. They look like plastic. Yes. yes. Andy looks but, okay, but Scud, I, mean, Scud, I, I think, say, has a lot of screen time, and he looks a little bit weird. Right. I agree. Uh, but it's it's an animated movie. Uh, yeah, the people look like... They, they don't look like real people, but they look fine as far as animated people go. Uh, I, I know we'll get into this later, but when you get to Toy Story 2... And you look at, like, the design of the mother. Like, this is only four years later, but it looks a lot better. Like, you can tell that they've gotten better at the animation by Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I'll mention it when we get to it, but, like, there's a a shot that is, like, mostly of a person, and it looks like an actual real person. Mm. And then we shift the camera around a little bit, and then it turns back to plastic. But for, like, that two-second shot, it was great. So uh, I misspoke. The original story was about Tinny, a wind-up one-man band toy who essentially becomes Buzz Lightyear. So this was this is before Buzz Lightyear. So you had a one-man band toy called Tinny from the Tin Toy Short, and the dummy who didn't have a name, the ventriloquist dummy who ends up becoming Woody. So the Tin Toy Short is adorable. If you haven't watched it yet, I recommend you go. Uh, like, you can find all of the Pixar shorts on Disney+, Plus, yeah. and it's also been released as a, a DVD of just all of their short films, and uh, the Tin Toy is uh, one of my favorites. It's just so cute. So, right. they did a rewrite once they realized that, one, the toys they were focusing on were a little too old, um, and kids don't have that. Uh, but that, right before that, they decided they didn't want to just have the main focus about toys being the, having the desire to be played with, um, and they were going to focus on that with the with Tinny being left behind at the gas station. Um, but then they decided to change it. Like we need to make it a buddy film with two toys battling it out because they want to be the favorite toy. Um, well, I should say a new one coming in and wanting becoming a new favorite, which is sort of what we get. I mean, it's essentially what we get. It's just we're still using the ventriloquist dummy and Tinny instead. Eventually, they realize, hey, nobody plays with these toys. We'll have a cowboy doll, which is still old, but it's not that far-fetched. And, of course, Buzz Lightyear, which is awesome. Oh, and they, they absolutely traumatize Sid. Like, they oh, break yeah. his brain <laughs> in a way that he can't ever tell anyone about and be believed. The question is, will he become a better person because of it, or is he damaged for life? He I mean, was already damaged for life. I mean, this this... Let's be honest, he had it coming. Dude, they went full on horror story. Like in the middle of the movie, it's a they go a bit horror story, like with the lighting and everything in Sid's room. Uh, when you see the mangle toys, and of course, again, it's that assumption like they look like they're scary, but they're actually really nice. They're still toys, and they want to be played with. But when they go like full out outside in the yard and come to life right in front of his eyes like that is like just imagine it from his perspective like that is messed up so to answer your question from like 20 minutes ago um sid's fine we see him in toy story 3 he's a garbage man he's happy he's listening to music he's jamming oh is he in that movie yeah yeah oh, okay but How about that? i would argue that 
because of of what happened with Woody and the horror story that was that last scene with him. Yeah. Uh, he became a garbage man rather than a like high end toy restorer that we see in uh, Toy Story Two. Like he totally could have been that. You think he would have been on that path, uh, like of the old guy? Oh no, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. Dude, I mean, he, he was he was destroying. To- he was. Try- I guess you could say maybe he would be an innovator and make new toys. But he was sort of combining them. Okay. If, if we want to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's doing two sort of separate things to to toys throughout this movie. Um, he is destroying some of them. Like he he takes fireworks. He takes the grill. Like he burns them. It's that part's bad. But the other thing he does is he takes parts from different toys and rearranges them and reattaches them in, like, very creative ways that Woody sees as horrific, but they're toys, whatever. The, the like, doll head on a mechanical spider body, that's cool. Well, it would be one thing if he was doing that and had all of his cool new creations on a shelf, like he was proud of them, like, look at this thing I made, isn't it cool? Like, if he still played with the toys, but he doesn't. He just breaks them on purpose and rearranges them, like, because because of the horror factor. That's what he's going for. And then he forgets about them, like, they're all living under his bed, like, in exile, and it it's not the same thing at all. Well, then maybe... Don't forget, there was... A... Okay, he's a teenage boy. Give him a give him a few years for hormones to not be destroying his brain, and and like settle things out, right? There, there's still that scene where he was going to burn Woody's head. Yes, that's. I mean, uh, he's he's exploding toys. He's melting toys. Like, yeah, that's not great. But but there is a a secondary aspect to this. There that, is like, a creative aspect somewhere in there. Yeah, like if that had been like nurtured and encouraged and. If he wasn't gonna be a serial killer, you know, he may have had he may have had a future in like I don't know movie special effects. Nah, I come down firmly on the side of he was crazy and needed therapy. Like scary kid. When he takes his sister's doll and beheads it on purpose, yeah, just to make her scream. Like, mm-mm, sorry, that that kid is messed up. I mean, yes, absolutely. Current Sid is he's a butthole like i don't i don't know that he's irredeemable though like again there there are like some cool creative aspects to what he's doing shall we move on to toy story 2 mike Um, yes why don't you tell us about toy story 2 okay better than toy story 1 well i'll get to that later but but first i just want to sort of walk through walk through the plot so unlike toy story 1 toy story 2 has both an a plot and a b plot Toy Story 1 is just entirely A-plot. It's just straightforward, completely following Woody and a little bit Buzz, but mostly Woody, right? Yep. So Toy Story 2 has an A and a B, which is slightly more complex storytelling. Um, So we start on space credits. Um, Words are exploding. It's great. Uh, And then we zoom in on Buzz Lightyear exploring a new planet where... He looks around for half a second, declares that there are no signs of intelligent life, and then is immediately surrounded by intelligent life. And and Buzz, buddy, you gotta you gotta like look a little bit harder before you make that declaration, man. Come on. Uh yeah. He then fights Emperor Zerg and gets killed. 
Uh, and then we find out that it's actually Rex playing a video game on... So, later we zoom out and we see that it is a Super Nintendo with no controller plugged in. But for Rex, we see a controller that looks very similar but not quite right to a Super Nintendo controller. And I'm a little confused by that. Craig, can is you help me out here? Not, it's not actually plugged in? Well, when we see the console later, there's no controllers plugged in. Maybe they just keep it unplugged while it's not in use. Okay, that's not the thing I'm asking about. Yeah? The controller. What about it? It's not a SNES controller. I, I know. It's it close looks, to one. It is close to one. It's close of, but not is quite it, exact, so, so it doesn't infringe on it. Is it what we in the movie industry call legally distinguishable? <laughs> Except that the console is a Super Nintendo. Yes, that's true. So make it make sense, please. Uh, so they probably did it for plot reasons. They needed it to, uh, because Rex complains about how his arms are too short to hit the buttons. So they had to put the buttons in the right place for that joke to play off. It does look like a Super Nintendo. Right? Like, it looks exactly like a Super Nintendo, but the controller does not. It looks, it has the right shape. It has the right button configuration. It's because it's... it has a red D-pad. Like, that's really the only difference. Oh, and it doesn't have an L and R button either. And the face buttons are like the wrong color, and they're all concave instead of two Here, of them I have being a, convex. I have an image to show you because someone actually made it in real life. The excuse me, the controller. I will post it in our bonus content area. There it yeah. is. That that's the one. Yeah, the colors on the buttons are all screwed up. There's no L and R. There's no Super Nintendo logo in the center. Wait, I found a Reddit post that looked at the difference between, <laughs> here you go, a difference between a real Super Nintendo and the Super Nintendo that you see. Can you nutshell so we're it not for the us only one too. We're not no. the only ones who noticed this. <laughs> what did you say, Mike? Can you nutshell it for us real quick? Um. So, wait, the Reddit post? Yeah. Uh, It looks like they're saying it suffers from discoloration, like the ones that sold in North America, where if you leave your Super Nintendo out, the the overall console becomes sort of yellowed, but the main area where you actually put the cartridge, which is in the center, that still st stays a grayish color. The one that we see in Toy Story 2, um, overall, it looks like a light gray for most of the console with a darker gray where you place the uh, the cartridge, which be due to the shadow and shading, it could just be discolored because it's been sitting out in the sun. Keep in mind, this movie was made in 99, which was like three years after the N64 came out. So this is still right after the end of the Super Nintendo era. So it it could make sense that it's just an older console that was sitting around. So, I mean, this all goes to say, I agree with you, it looks spot on like a Super Nintendo. You look at this and you know it's Super Nintendo, but the controller is a little weird. If if the D-pad was gray, then I think you can get away with it. Um, it's just missing the L and R buttons because how would Rex even hit them? But... The if red the red D-pad is weird. If the D-pad was gray, I could make an argument for like a Super Famicom controller, right? Right. Yeah, like yeah. this is this is closer to that with the with the all convex buttons, right? Yeah. Although I still think the colors are off, but I don't know the Super Famicom quite as well. Anyway, yeah. Why don't we continue with the synopsis? Yes, let's so continue with the synopsis. Uh, we've it, already gone. Well, hang topic. on, wait. <laughs> um. Because I know the N64 had colorful controllers, so were they just using the colors from the new one, but they made it look like an old one? Like, 
I don't think so. The colors are just unique to what they're doing. Yeah. There, there is, like Mike said, the Super Famicom controllers were colorful. At least the buttons were. It's just weird that they picked that. The The controllers for uh, Super Nintendo, they're just like purplish. It's like a light purple and a dark purple. Yeah. Whereas the Super Famicom is like green, blue, red, and yellow. A and B were darker purple and they were convex and then x and y were lighter mm-hmm. purple and they were concave so like they swept in a little bit instead of swept out yeah i know i know the snes controller extraordinarily well as everyone should yes because it's the best controller that like it is the best although everyone I... else came afterwards just copied the super nintendo and tried to improve it oh no 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 the good controllers that came after like the ps2 controller that copied yes. the snes controller and improved it the the controllers that Nintendo made after that <laughs> didn't and were worse. Well, until they came out with the GameCube, which was closer to a Super Nintendo than the weird N64 controller. The button layout was nothing like the Super Nintendo no. controller. Like, the GameCube controller was pretty good, but wow, did they not, like, continue their own thing and make it better. But that's what I mean. It, the family of controller, if you look at the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation controller, like, it's that design where you have these handholds and you have a d-pad and you have buttons and at least in the case for playstation you also get the sticks that that's like a basic design gamecube controller is closer to that overall shape and design yes compared to like the n64 compared to the n64 which was built for people with three hands (laughs) what were they thinking dude i don't know and then and now sequels that don't quite work the n64 controller yo if you want to talk about sequels that are better, Super Nintendo controller versus the NES controller. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, there you go. The The timeline goes NES controller, Super Nintendo controller, PlayStation controller, PlayStation 2 controller, and then, like, continuing PlayStation controllers were just very slight adjustments to the PS2 controller, right? Because they realized it worked, and we're not they're not going to change it. Right. Pretty smart. And then Xbox went let's just make it big just big just real big and then they toned that down and it's at this point like new xbox controllers and new playstation controllers are just very slight deviations on the same theme and then in comes nintendo wearing big old clown shoes (laughs) dude i have that book here comes clown feet anyway back to back to things um yes it was rex playing a video game and then what we then we get back to like real world stuff uh there's a puppy now and that slinky can talk to yeah like the toys are all very cool with the puppy and the puppy is very cool with the toys which is not what you would expect because the puppy should be chewing and destroying toys but but this is a good puppy uh there's some andy plays has like a whole imagination play thing going on with uh with ham the the piggy bank as the villain Dr. Porkchop, I believe, is is his villain name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually very similar to, like, the same plaything that was set up in Toy Story 1, except this time, uh, Woody... Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, Woody, Woody's, Woody's in a bind, and Buzz Lightyear comes out to save him, and they're friends, and, yeah. But Buddy, or, but Woody is still... Woody is still the top toy. Um, and then, in the act of playing, Woody's arm... Like one of the seams from Woody's arm gets torn. Isn't, and... he go, isn't Andy going to like 
cowboy camp or something. Yeah. Yeah, he... and Woody was supposed to go with. Yep. Um, but Woody gets Woody gets a tear right before they were about to leave, uh, and he gets put up on the shelf, and he discovers Wheezy, a toy that had been put up on the shelf some time ago because his his squeaker broke. Um, and then Mom comes in, starts grabbing stuff for a yard sale because. Andy is at cowboy camp, so she can get rid of some of his old crap without him noticing and throwing a fit, and Wheezy gets taken. Woody does not. She intentionally leaves Woody because she knows that Andy loves Woody, they can fix him, whatever, it's not a big deal. But Wheezy's got a broken squeaker, he goes in the 25 cent box. And then Woody mounts a rescue, and this is all set up for the actual plot. Wait, wait, wait. It's hilarious when uh, Woody and Rex are, are going outside and Woody's like, just play natural. And he's all like, sa- Rex saunters it outside. It, uh, not Rex, no, the dog. Buster. The do- Wait, oh, not Rex, Buster. Yeah, 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 thank you. Yeah. The dog. I don't know why I was saying Rex. My apologies. Rex is the, the T-Rex toy with the little yeah, arms. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was yeah. thinking Rex isn't the dog name. Sorry, guys. Anyway, I think that was hilarious, though. The dog. <laughs> yeah, just... this this is a joke that only works in animation, but it works really well. You know, the be, be casual and the dog's just like... Like, doing this this cool, lazy walk. It's great. It's, like, not that casual. Like, okay. So, yeah. Woody successfully rescues Wheezy, uh, but in the process, he falls off the dog, and Dennis Nedry shows up and try, first tries to Dennis buy him for Nedry. nothing. Yeah, Dennis Nedry. Newman. Uh-huh. I, yeah. uh, first Newman. tries to, yeah. like, grab a bunch of stuff and talk. Um, wow, I've forgotten his name. The mom, whatever. Uh, Andy's, Andy's mom. mom. I don't think yes. she actually has a name. I'm going to get to that because I think I know who Andy's mom is. I know, and I think I know exactly you're going to mention. Yes. Uh, anyway, first he tries to like grab a bunch of stuff and buy Woody for practically nothing. Uh, she notices Woody. She's like, that's not for sale. She puts it in the cash box, locks it, and then he causes a distraction elsewhere. He breaks into the cash box. And steals Woody. And then leaves. Um, Meanwhile, the other toys are watching all of this happen. Buzz sees this happening. He comes down and tries to to rescue Woody. Uh, He is left behind because he can't run as fast as a car can drive. Uh, But he catches the license plate number. Which is L-Z-T-Y-B-R-N. And there's a fun scene with the speak and spell of him trying to decipher what that could possibly mean. Uh... Yeah, but I really want to focus in on Newman steals, outright steals Woody by breaking into the cash box. Yep. And Andy's mom apparently does not remember for the, over the course of about 10 seconds that she locked Woody in the cash box. There was a lot of people around. It's as long as the money's still there. She wouldn't have noticed. She intentionally took the toy from his hands, put it in the cash box, and locked it. I would like to argue that Andy's family has a genetic issue of no (laughs) object permanence, which is how the toys can get up and walk around and nobody notices anything weird. (laughs) Go ahead and tell me I'm wrong. No, no, you're not wrong. If if that's your kid's favorite toy and, you know, your kid freaks out when they can't find the toy, you're going to remember that you put it in the box. After some shady dude tried to steal it, yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Inexcusable. 
Anyway, uh, Andy's mom at no point ever notices that Woody isn't in the cash box. Like, that well, never be, comes up to again. To be fair, like, if she did notice, it wouldn't have been in the movie because it's not relevant to the plot. Like, the main characters are the toys. It, so, Andy's mom, it, we're not going to see her reaction to figuring out it's missing. It's it's not relevant to the plot. I mean, we'll, we'll also get to it later. Keep in mind, at the end of the movie, that they get new cowboy toys. Where did those come from? Secondly, there's the the truck from the the airport parked out front. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the neighbors across the streets problem. <laughs> Which we get a nice scene of that, like as the, as the credits start to roll, like yep. the next morning they come out and they're like, "What on earth is happening? I'm so confused. Why is this here?" But but you you don't notice that hey the the Woody doll that just suddenly disappeared and had a rip in it. Sun is back. It's just right there this whole time. And hey, look, there's also this redheaded cowboy girl that she might remember from her childhood. Um, and a, a, a horse. Now I've got. I actually have something for those. Um, which is Andy just came back from cowboy camp. Right. It's not unreasonable to think that maybe he got some toys while he was there. Like you Andy thinks his it. mom got him new cowboy toys. Yes. Andy's mom thinks Andy just somehow acquired new toys from yep, cowboy yep. camp and brought them home. No one questions anything. I mean, Andy yells out, thanks mom, but there's, there's no, there's no knowing if she actually heard that or had any idea what he was talking about. So like, he thinks this matter is settled. She thinks this matter is settled. There's, there's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, so Dennis Nedry's license plate, Buzz gets on the speak and spell to try to like, decipher it and i would like to read off the the things that they came up with before they figured it out uh so we have lousy try brian liz try bran and lose thigh burn i think lose thigh burn could have been accurate yeah for sure that guy is named lou he frequently gets thigh burns it makes sense you would want your license plate to say that yeah yeah just announce that to the world everywhere you go i have thigh burns and my name's lou hello Wait, what's the license plate again? What is it actually? L-Z-T-Y-B-R-N. Okay. Uh, but it's actually Which... Al's toy barn, because because he is the chicken from TV. Yes, and, and Buzz did find a feather as the car was driving away. You know, as you do from a, from a chicken mascot costume. They, they did mold... have an art, art, accurate artist representation of Al from the yep. scene of the crime. He had a giant beard. Pretty accurate. Uh, so now we cut back to the A plot, which is Woody. This is, this is the actual start of the plot at this point. Um, Woody gets, uh, has been stolen, is in Al's apartment, and he discovers, um, other toys, other cowboy toys from the same line that he is from that he has since, like, forgotten all of that. I don't know how to reconcile that he forgot all of that, but... Well, think, think about Buzz Lightyear later on. They didn't really come to life slash activated until they're removed from the box. Same thing could happen to Woody. So I, I've had some thoughts about this. Like, okay, first off, there's this theory that Andy's parents were getting divorced. Like, that's why in the first movie, mom and the kids are moving. And 
also it would explain why suddenly Andy has got this very expensive Buzz Lightyear toy, like someone's trying to, you know, gain favors, right? Um, there's also like, okay, if Woody was from Andy's dad, like that's why Andy is so attached to Woody, like that's why Woody's the favorite, is because, you know, it's associated with thoughts of his dad. I have I'm... some evidence that suggests that Woody is not from his dad. Well, you hang on to that. But if Woody was also, like, new in the box, like, if he was just in the box the whole time, um, because we know from Buzz Lightyear, both in the first movie and all of the Buzz Lightyears in the second movie, that they don't really wake up until they're out of the box. So if Woody was, like, a collector's item, new in the box, and maybe baby Andy opened the box and dad was like, fine, just keep the toy. Because, like, it says that this cowboy show was in the 50s, I think, that Woody was, you know, the the line of toys was from this show in the 50s. Right before Sputnik was launched. So whatever year that was. Yeah, I looked that up. But, so Woody's been around for a long time, and yet Andy is the only kid that he talks about over the course of these movies. 1957. So so he did not have a kid before Andy and is in remarkably good shape. Like that's one of the things that Dennis Nedry is, is obsessed with is how good of shape he's in. Um, So it really looks like Woody has only had the one owner other than whoever had him new in the box for however long before that. I mean, to go along with your theory, maybe rewrite rewrite it just a slight bit, where Woody comes from his mom, and that's just it happened to be his favorite toy for a while, and the dad gave him a Buzz Lightyear to, you know, try to make him happy because they're getting a divorce. I could see that, but I do think Woody comes from the mom, and I'm going to go along with us about his. Yeah, I think I know what Mike's theory is. I think we all know what Mike's theory is at this point, but yeah, let's get there. Uh, so yeah, Woody is introduced to the other characters from Woody's Roundup. Uh, we have Jesse the cowgirl, who yodels. Uh, we have his horse, whose name I forget. Bullseye. Bullseye. Uh, we have Stinky Pete the prospector, who is voiced by Dr. Fraser Crane. Shoutouts to Kelsey Grammer, by the way. Good performance, as usual. Uh, who is uh, mint in the box, which isn't true, as we see later, but close enough. What? Yeah, he he leaves his box at multiple points, d- despite, like, spending the entire, like, first... I guess this is the second act. I don't know. Whatever. Like, the first chunk of the movie that he's in, he stays in his box and, like, bounces around in his box. It's, it's... He actually moves the box, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, So, yeah, Woody's, Woody's Roundup. We get to, like, Woody gets to watch some episodes... And we find out that it's sponsored by the only cereal that's sugar-frosted and dipped in chocolate. <laughs> the only one. Which sounds pretty good, actually. I would eat that. Um, Did they have that kind of cereal back in the 50s? That sounds way too much sugar. Eh. I'm, I'm sure it was like bran, like like pure fiber bran that, that was sugar-frosted and dipped in chocolate. Uh, so we find out that Woody, as part of this as part of this set, as, like, the complete part of this set, uh, is going to be sold to a museum, a Japanese toy museum. And uh, once he gets his arm fixed and a little bit of just overall touch-ups, he will be sent off to 
be seen by people in Japan forever. So, so real quick, we got to think about how much money this is actually worth. Because one, Al's actions, like you said, he stole from somebody to get the Woody doll. He paid some apparently exclusive guy that could come in and fix the doll like that night. He's been super excited. And we, we hear him on the phone and he asks for another zero added on the the end when they, he, he also a Woody doll. He also throws a giant fit about like how much it costs to overnight ship stuff to Japan. As as though that was ever gonna be like cheap, but how, yeah. how much money do you guys think he was gonna get out of it? Uh, I gotta say minimum six figures. Like that's the extra zero. It bumped it up to to six figures. Gotta be but less than a million though. I can't see seven. I I just can't. I know that's the problem, right? Like I I also have trouble seeing it in them. It's like there's no way it's worth that much. But okay, I could see six figures. It's it's still a little on the high end, especially for some weird toy from the 50s that happened to have a TV show that just sort of died off. But I guess with a, cl- a complete set with the well, figures, the, like maybe. the rarity is part of it. Like, right. well, and and a propos of nothing um, in Japan, Westerns like American Westerns were really popular at one point. Mm. It's, it's it just this was something I learned when I was um an English teacher at a foreign language school and like all of my students were Japanese, like the idea of coming to America, the home of the old West and like meeting a real cowboy, they were all so excited about it until I told them that, you know, this is like, we're all native American here. You're in Oklahoma. Like this is where the cowboys are. Like this is about as Westy as you get. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, they, uh, American Western movies and books and TV shows were, they they have a, a following in Japan, so I, I could see uh, Woody's Roundup fitting right into that. Uh, and also, Dennis Nedry here has collected literally everything about this, except Woody. Like, Woody is the final piece of this, but he has presumably spent years acquiring, like, piece after piece after piece, um, getting it in as good a shape as possible. And yeah, like, this is this is the result of, like, years of work for him. That is a little bit weird. You, you would think that the the most desired toy from the set would also have more of them made and therefore easier to find. Compared to a Stinky Pete doll, I mean, come on. Well, okay, nobody bought Stinky Pete, which is why he could get one still in the box. Yes, that is true. And then, yeah, like Woody, Woody would have been the most popular. His face is on everything. But also, he would have been the most popular. He would have been bought and played with and destroyed. And... Like, most popular of this is still not, like, a huge number produced. Not right. not like Buzz Lightyear, who gets an entire aisle at Al's Toy Barn. Uh, anyway, uh, Woody gets his arm, like, full-blown torn off. Uh, the One of the strings gets caught on, like, the, the case he's in when Al picks him up. So, arm well, gone. This is, was this uh, right after Woody was trying to do an escape and the TV turned on? waking up al is is that that's no that's, that's the, the arm came off before then because part of the escape was getting his arm back that was what okay. he was doing anyway we're getting to that mm-hmm. uh so yeah maybe maybe woody should ask the lopen about some one-armed cowboy jokes <laughs> uh and then al pours himself an entire bag of cheetos into a bowl doesn't eat any of them does touch them enough to get cheese dust all over his fingers but he doesn't actually <laughs> eat any of them he just right. falls asleep with the bowl on his stomach, and then it falls yep. off, and there's Cheetos everywhere, which, you know, 
I've done that like dozens of times. Just just pour an entire bag of chips into a bowl and then don't eat any. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then yes, here here is where we get the one shot of a person in these movies that actually looks human, which is Al asleep. We get a shot of like Woody trying to climb up the side of his head. And, like, we get a shot of, like, mostly the back of his head, so we don't actually see his face. It looks like an actual person asleep. And then we shift the camera a little bit, and he's back to being plastic. Um, but, yeah, Woody tries to get his arm back. Um, Jesse and the prospector turn the TV on, and uh, Woody's, Woody's attempts to get his arm back and escape are thwarted. So now we fast forward to in the morning when... Uh, the the specialist to come fix Woody comes in, and it's it's that guy who played chess once. You guys against himself. Yeah, Jerry Jerry's game, I believe that one. Yeah, it's it's that guy who was playing chess that one time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he he fixes up Woody real nice, makes him look brand new, paints over uh, Andy's four year old scrawling of his own name on Woody's boot, and and yeah, Woody looks better than he has in years. Um. So meanwhile, back at the B plot, the like Buzz and the other toys uh, have worked out that it's Al's toy barn, and so they go off to try to get there. Uh, it takes them all night to get there, which is apparently 21 blocks away, uh, because they get there like in the morning as one guy is coming into work late. And I mean, that's that's pretty good for toys to move 21 blocks. I think that makes sense. It's yeah, to be all night. Um, also in the act of like crossing the final street to get there, they hide under traffic cones and cause a horrible, horrible accident where like this <laughs> giant concrete pipe just, just rolls down the street. I have to assume that there was massive property damage that happened. Do you because remember of this. that I mean, also in the first think... movie the when they were, the dog was chasing after, um, Buzz and, and Woody, same thing. They caused an accident then because someone had to swerve to not hit the dog. Causing accidents is what they do. Like, you've got to wonder how many people would have died in the events of these movies. <laughs> what is the death toll of Toy Story and Toy Story 2, Mike? I mean, that pipe isn't stopping for a while. It's on a hill. It's There's a pretty good chance that it's hitting somebody in a car and that car isn't making it out of it. The people probably aren't either. I mean, like, best case scenario is that no one died, but it still caused a ton of damage. So, I think our major takeaway here is that Buzz Lightyear has killed people. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so they get to Al's Toy Barn, and the store isn't open yet, but the front door is unlocked. Which, having worked in retail, there's no way that door wouldn't be locked because people would come in. They would ignore that the signs. True. They would ignore the hours. They'd just come in. They'd ignore that none of the lights are on, that nobody's at a register. They'd just come in. Oh, the door's open. I guess that means you're open. Absolutely, Mike. Yep. Like, even we, with a locked door, you get, you get people, like, 20, 30 minutes before the store opens insisting on being let in. There's... I, I was a closer, so I was, you know, closing up at night. And still, if you don't lock the doors right away, someone at midnight or whatever, is going to try to come through the door and go shopping even though you're closed. Yep. It will happen. You've got to lock the door. Yep. So, like, However, I can excuse the movie because, as you can see, 
the employees are going in. So, okay, yes, maybe they left it open. They open an hour early to let the employees through the door. But, I mean, I mean clearly the writers didn't No, it's the main entrance. But maybe it's a sleepy town and they don't have to worry about people just coming in, you know, 15 minutes early or whatever before the store opens. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they, they start looking around in Al's toy barn. Uh, Rex spots a Prima Buzz Lightyear, the video game guide, because he's been having trouble against the boss. So he spends his time reading that, trying to figure out, you know, how how on earth do I beat Zerg? Um, Buzz sees a new version of his toy with a with a new belt, and he's like, "Man, I could use a new belt." So he goes to try to steal a belt. Uh, but the Buzz wearing a belt wakes up and is Buzz Lightyeary and beats the crap out of him. Uh, and then there is a switcheroo where new Buzz joins the joins the team. Old Buzz gets locked in a box. And hijinks ensue. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, what do they do? Oh, they destroy like so many displays yep. that absolutely wouldn't be set up that way in an actual toy store. Because well, where are all the employees? Uh, they're back on the dock unloading a truck. <laughs> Which is why it's so weird that the front door was open for them. Yeah, <laughs> but no, like they actually mention that when when the late employee comes in. Is oh, that okay. they they actually have a, a shipment to unload and get out on the sales floor, um, but they have so many displays that are just like the slightest touch, and they just collapse and cause this giant mess. They're like in a little RC car type thing, and they knock over a giant bouncy ball container yeah. tub yeah. thing, like a thing that would that would have like disintegrated if a child looked at it. <laughs> And like, there's this stack of boxes right next to the door that's like in this in this very precarious display that like you nudge one box and the whole thing comes comes crashing down directly in the doorway. It's ah, Al, your toy, your your store sucks, Al. Your I don't store. Think Al cares actually. Your store I mean, is a the, lawsuit, Al. The sort of morally bankrupt person who would steal a child's toy from a locked box at a garage sale, like no standards, this guy. Okay, yeah. but somebody's yeah. going to sue him for all the money that he doesn't get from this Japanese toy museum. Anyway, ah, um, oh, so yeah, back to the back to the A plot. Um, Al takes some Polaroids of of like all the Woody's Roundup stuff, including Woody and. If you showed this movie to a child today, would they know what a Polaroid is and how it works? <laughs> I mean, you still have digital pictures that you can print out, so you could just say they're he's taking pictures. Okay. I'm yeah, just wondering well, if like okay, they understand on, they understand like what a Polaroid is and how it works. That because... was nineteen ninety nine. You've got to give them some grace. I didn't have my first digital camera until I think two thousand three. So you know, picture pictures were still a thing back when this movie was made. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's not really where I'm going with this. Just Polaroids haven't existed in decades. So I'm just wondering, like, is is there like a pop cultural osmosis like knowledge of these that you know, that like people today understand or or is this well, yeah, is this they, knowledge lost to time? No, no, no. They still have Polaroids as like a novelty thing that like they, they literally make them as a kid's toy. So kids are like, oh, look at me. I took a picture. Here it is. Okay. Yeah, I, didn't I can know sort that. of vouch for that sort of thing. I don't have that toy, but I have other weird toys that we've gotten for Ada. Uh, we have this, like, 
it's supposed to be a smartphone, but it makes modem sounds when you press on it. Like it goes beep, 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 boop. And it's like, we're like, is she even going to know what this is? Like, why is it doing that? It's like, just don't question. So, okay. yes, the stuff is going to exist. It's the same thing with, like, records. I think there's actually a record in the movie itself at one point. Yeah, um, there's, there's a, Woody has a, a record player and a record of, of, like, the songs from his show. Yeah. So it's like, this stuff is going to exist. You don't really have to explain it too much because it's like, oh, this plays music. Or, oh, this is a video that you can watch. It's like an early Blu-ray. Like, kids will figure it out. All right. Um. Oh, uh, as... Yeah, as regular Buzz is getting out of the store by destroying a display right next to the door that is itself a horrible, horrible hazard, um, he also releases a Zerg toy, an Emperor Zerg toy, uh, which then leads to new Buzz and Emperor Zerg getting into a fight, only to get the the line from the end of Empire of, <laughs> no, I am your father. Yo, can we talk about that real quick? Just just briefly. You had a reference to Jurassic Park, which came out in, I believe, 93. You had a reference to Empire Strikes Back, uh, which is, when was that? 80s? Late 1980. 80s? Yeah, early 80s. So 1980. It's like, not not early 80s. 1980. That is the earliest 80s you can get in early 80s. 1980. There are references that are just for the parents. Like, I... I I enjoyed it, and they definitely put it more into this film than they did in the original Toy Story. Like, I can't think of any real references in the first Toy Story, but Toy Story 2 had a bunch of these movie references. Like, a kid's not going to know Jurassic Park. Well, maybe they would, actually. But they're not going to know. Well, they might know. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, so, yeah. Um, then, after after discovering that Zerg is actually Buzz's father, uh, they decide to, like, new Buzz decides to just <laughs> hang out and have a catch with Dad. They do. At the end, like, nope, I'm going to stay and bond with my father. Yep. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, like regular Buzz and the crew uh, steal the pizza delivery truck from the first movie. Uh, and then we get the best car chase since the Born Identity. <laughs> you mean this is before the Born Identity, isn't it? Is Born Identity before this movie? No, I think this is actually before Born Identity. There you go. The best car chase until the Born Identity. <laughs> born identity 2002 so only a couple years after oh clearly born ripped off the toy story car chase obviously um anyway it's yeah it's all these toys trying to operate a, a car that like none of them have any idea what they're doing and they're they're just chasing al to the airport um also almost certainly causing multiple wrecks behind them like again again with the property damage and the potential manslaughter buzz Buddy, buddy, you have a problem. You need to stop. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we get we get some very direct confirmation that this movie was made before 2001 because Al makes it to the airport for his international flight about 10 minutes before it leaves. Yep, it floats. Just, ah. Uh, Remember anyway. those days, Mike? No. <laughs> but, no. You get to an airport like hours before you need to go. Because yeah, everything takes do. forever. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. There's. There's a whole like Buzz and the gang trying to rescue Woody. Woody, like at this point, is is ready to go back because Stinky Pete, the prospector, uh, has revealed that he is in fact evil. Because of course he is. You can't have a you can't have a movie without an evil toy. Um. 
there's there's a whole thing there's a whole scene where he and Jesse Wait, the first movie doesn't have any evil toys. Woody it's just is Sid. Woody is. Well he's the antagonist, but he's not evil. Oh he super is. He just gets better. His character growth. He's 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 selfish, bit narcissistic, and yeah, antagonist, but I wouldn't I wouldn't flat up I wouldn't call him evil, just misguided. He tries to kill Buzz in a jealous rage. He doesn't try to kill him, he tries to make him fall behind the desk which is the toy equivalent to killing it's not quite as bad as as sending him into sid's yard which he does but like it's it's still the same thing man he's trying to get him out of the picture anyway yes uh woody's trying to go back and he brings jesse along there's a whole thing where they like they're trapped on the plane and they escape down like the uh the landing gear and yeah it's good it's fun they get home uh, in the process, Woody has ripped his seam again. I think the prospector cut it this time. So when he gets back to Andy, he is still in the exact same condition he was in at the beginning of the movie when he ripped a seam. Um, but yeah, Andy fixes him up, puts way more stuffing into that arm than there was before. So Woody's got a big old swole arm now <laughs> and like really obvious stitching where where the toy restorer did like identical stitching to what what was originally there um but yeah woody's arm is back and better than ever and and now um yeah jesse and bullseye are there too sadly Yay. they didn't grab a woody yo-yo i bet i bet andy would have loved a woody yo-yo we did it guys okay so let's talk about um who andy's mom is and craig do you want to handle this one i feel like you want to handle this one and sure i can handle it um so this this is actually a theory that I heard of um, a number of years ago. Apparently, it comes from a blogger, John Grono, or Grony. I don't know who that is, but uh, I have no idea where I heard it from. But the idea is that there's a flashback that we see when Jesse is talking about her original owner, who was named Emily. Um, clearly, it looks like they're in the '60s. Um, there's definitely like some. I think there's some hippie vibes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's. You know, it's a while back, but, you know, she's playing with her cowboy doll, Jesse, and, you know, they're bonding and they're having a fun. But eventually, Emily grows up and gets more interested in, in makeup at the time, and Jesse gets forgotten under the bed um, until much later on when, I guess, Emily's moving out. She packs up all of her old things and just donates them, which is when uh, Jesse gets donated to who who knows where. So it's this, you know, sad sort of thing. But the idea is that if you look at the flashback there, specifically if you focus on the original owner, Emily, you get to see some similarities between her and Andy. Um, there's a cowboy hat that she wears that looks almost exactly the same as one that Andy has. Emily writes her name on the bottom of uh, Jesse's foot, which is like what Andy does. And then you start to think, where the heck did this Woody doll even come from if this is a show from the 50s that people didn't really know about, you know, later on after the 60s? Like, how how would this come about that there's this Woody doll that exists that doesn't know anything about Woody's Roundup and the TV show that he came from, and he's almost in near-mint condition? How does that happen? Well, what if Jesse's original owner is Andy's mom? Shocking. Uh, there's some additional stuff with um, the hat that Andy wears in this movie. Yeah, that's uh, what I which... mentioned. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, sorry. so 
I'll read from the wiki. The sequence uh, shows the cowboy hat that Emily had is very similar to Andy's hat, but it has an additional white lace area, which could be at the time. And also, Emily's hair has, is the same color um, as Andy's mom. Okay, the so the hat, in addition to being the a very, if not identically the same, then a very similar hat, but with some age, um, between the two, it also matches Jessie's hat on her yes. doll. Which, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, Andy's mom is Emily, who used to have Jesse. Why would she have kept the hat and not the doll? Um, Maybe it was just somewhere else. It it kind of seemed like her parents made her give up the Jesse doll. Like, she had lost interest in it, but, like, the hat might have just been considered clothes. So that got kept. But the toy, you know, she kind of lost interest. Her parents wanted her to get rid of it, like you do with kids' toys when they've outgrown them. And, yeah. I have more pictures. Um, so I'm putting pictures in our Discord, which all of you guys should actually be aware of because you're patrons. But it's in the bonus content talk area. There's some like you could see the differences between the two hats, and you could sort of see how over time, like maybe the white lace got co- colored in or just faded due to the sun or something like that. Um, but you could see the the hair style. There could be some similarities there between um Jesse the orig- or sorry Jesse's original owner and Andy's mom. Yep. And, and yeah, it would, it would make sense for Andy's mom to like get him this cowboy toy when, when he was little. Cause like she, she has fond memories of playing with her own cowgirl toy from the same set. She's yeah. like, all right, when I have a kid, I'm getting him a Woody doll or getting her a Jesse doll if I can find one. And, and yeah, so like that would, that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It floats. So let's talk about why Toy Story 2 is a better movie than Toy Story 1. Um, First off, we have multiple plot threads. So we get to bounce between the A plot and the B plot, which makes for generally just a better, like, time passes in one while we're we're spending time on the other. You know, it it lets us sort of jump back and forth to when things are interesting. Um, Woody and Buzz are both, like, complete characters at this point where, like, Buzz in the first movie wasn't really until, like, near the very end. Um, the the peop- the human yes. designs look better from, you know, four years of technology improving. Buzz did, does get some character growth in the first movie, but it does take a while to get to. But th- there is an... So there's a main arc of Woody and him adjusting to to Buzz being there and, of course, what Annie's desires would be. Of, of who his favorite toy should be. But then there is a secondary arc of Buzz, like learning that he's actually a toy uh, and what that means for him. And then I guess just like the overall themes. Uh, so Toy Story 2's theme is, is I think, like learning to appreciate what you have, where Toy Story 1's theme is you're not always going to be the favorite and you need to accept that. And that's... Eh. <laughs> that really only applies to Woody ever except he's still the favorite as of as of the second movie so it like undermines its own message i don't know and that's why we need to discuss the third and fourth movies well hold yeah. on hold on no 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 hold on a second i don't want to get into this just yet because i do yeah, not wanna... yet but that's why we need to talk about it there i think we should all have a, a little soapbox about why we think or why we don't think toy story 2 is better than the first movie um but just to go to the theme of the first movie. I think it's not 
you can't just like learn to not be the favorite. I think it's more change. Like the theme is learning to accept change and how this stuff can happen. Cause they're in the beginning of the movie, there's this fear of new toys being presented and what that means for the current cast of existing toys. Cause then they're worried that they won't get played with. Um, and of course that's what happens to Woody essentially, but it's sort of learning to adapt and change over time and, and learning to accept that change. So to more generalize the theme of the first movie, I think that would be it. Yeah, that, that sounds actually better than what I said. So, so yeah, Craig, why do you, or don't you think that Toy Story 2 is better than Toy Story 1? Well, on the rewatch, I have decided that I do think Toy Story 2 is uh, better than the first movie but but there's there's some asterisks here um one i think toy story one is a good movie like it's it's fun to sort of sit down and watch it um it's it's fine like i have no complaints on the first movie however when i was re-watching the second i had more fun there were more jokes that i was laughing at there were certain scenes where i was a bit more nostalgic about um there's just certain things that were done better, in my opinion, in the second. Movie. Oh yeah, um, the the writing in two is is just way better, like way better. Now, um, I do sort of want to get a little bit into the theme, but uh, but I'll wait on that. But uh, my my overall thoughts when it comes to two is that they did more with the various toys. Like in the first movie, you really only for focus on Woody and Buzz. Like it's their character growth. Uh, learning to bond with each other, learning whatever that how they deal with the environment and that sort of thing. It's all about them. It's a buddy movie, and it's just about them too. When you get to the second movie, you can actually focus more on the characters. There's Rex learning how to beat the the Zerg game. Um, they 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 focus more on these secondary characters because they get that whole B plot to try to save Woody. Um, there's just more. There, it's just. It just has more to it. So I like that it focuses more on the characters, uh, the other toys. I like when the toys work together. Like, I like when they get along. They're, that's sort of the problem with the first movie is where Woody is being antagonistic for, like, the first two-thirds of the movie. And it just sort of doesn't sit well. Like, you, you don't want to watch the antagonist. You want to watch the protagonist. And at least in the in the second movie... Like, okay, yes, they deal a lot of damage with vehicles, but they're still good guys. They don't know. <laughs> they're toys. But I like when they work together. I think that's that's a good thing. And then they play off of each other, too, because of that, which is great. Um, and just... we really get a highlight of, like, how Buzz's character has grown by yeah. by getting some scenes with, with new, fresh, out-of-the-box Buzz. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, Tori, what, what do you think about Toy Story 2 being better or not better than Toy Story 1? Uh, definitely, I agree that Toy Story 2 is better than 1. Uh, we do... You you need 1 to get to the rest of the story. Like, it was, it was a necessary um, step in the process. But um, it, watching it again, um, it was just so obvious to me that it was the first computer animated movie. Um, and reading about, you know, we thought about including this in the movie, but then we didn't because we couldn't animate it at the time. Like when I was uh, reading the um, IMDb trivia for the various movies as I was watching them, like they wanted to have a big old stuffed bear in Toy Story mm. 1. Mm. 
mm-hmm. but they couldn't animate the first, so they had to leave that out. So that's why when they get to Toy Story 3 and Lotso, the the bear, is uh, one of the main characters, It's they, they did not have the technology to do that back then. Also, they wanted to have a Barbie in the first one, but they couldn't because Mattel was like, we don't know that this is going to be a successful venture. We don't want to be associated with it. And then it was only after Toy Story 1 was a success that they were like, yeah, you can use our Barbie in, in Toy Story 2 and and beyond. So, like, you needed Toy Story 1 to get there, but Toy Story 2 um, is much more fleshed out of a plot. You can see places where they were able to include things that they couldn't before because they didn't know how to do it. Um, and as, as Mike said, it has the A plot and the B plot. It's just a much richer story. You know, the neat thing about Pixar overall, uh, especially early Pixar movies, is that you can tell the purpose of each movie what they're experimenting with. Like the first one, of course, like like we've said, it's the first like really um, fully computer animated venture. Um, so that that's a big deal. But you look at some of their later movies. It's like when you get to um, Monsters, Inc., you could tell their focus was on fur. They really wanted to try to nail down how good fur is. And you see that with Sully's character um, and how how good they were able to focus. So it's like every time I'm not going to go into every Pixar movie, but every time there's a new Pixar movie, you could tell they're experimenting with either some sort of animation or eventually it comes out to some sort of storytelling um, mechanic. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I distinctly remember being so impressed with the lighting on A Bug's Life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Just the the play of light through leaves and trees and shadows, um, like like that's a thing I remember very distinctly from back then when I watched it the first time. Yeah. All right. So Craig's got some pretty wild takes on Toy Story three. I uh, am ready to argue with Craig about this. I um... I would like hold on. I would like to start off by saying that I haven't rewatched Toy Story three in a while, but my memory of it is that it's the same basic plot beats as Toy Story 2, but overall it pulls them off better. So, Tori, did you have anything you wanted to say before we give it to Craig? Um, how about we do this, like, debate style where we each get two minutes and we can't inter- interrupt? <laughs> like, uh, I feel like two minutes is going to be too limiting. I want to let Craig just really... Okay, really well, let me let here. me get my thoughts first, and and then Craig can have his. Oh, hold, okay. hold on one second, though. I want to say one thing, not about Toy Story. It's about sequels in general, and maybe we should have let off with this with the whole series. But something to think about, guys. For a sequel to exist, typically the original movie has to be good in some way. Like, it has to do well in the box office, or it has to have such a big fan following that people want to see more. So... To make a sequel that's better than the original is really hard to do because the bar is already really high. Now, eventually we get to the point, like in Toy Story, where you have a whole series. It's not just two movies, but it it can take a while to get there. So something to think about. Okay, I'm done. Okay. So and and I I do just want to point out that this is going to be full spoilers for Toy Story three and four. So, Mike, you said you hadn't seen four. I'm sorry. You don't need to because I watched it for you. Um, so Toy Story 3, as as Mike said, has a lot of the same beats as two. The, the plot is that um, all of the toys um, 
Andy is going off to college and he's not taking his toys with the, with him. Um, he bags up all of the toys except for Woody. Woody goes in the college box. Woody's going to college with Andy. Um, it's it's his dream come true. It's what he's always wanted. The rest of the toys, though, go in a black garbage bag and they think they're going to the curb. Uh, Woody sees that Andy is taking them to the attic. Andy gets distracted by his little sister, goes off to help her do something, uh, leaves the trash bag by the attic door. Mom comes by later and finds this trash bag, doesn't realize it's on the way to the attic, and takes it down to the curb. And and the trash is imminently running. So Woody sees all of this going down, and he runs out to try to save his friends. Um, but he's not successful in uh, getting to them before the truck comes. Um, but the other toys did get away from the garbage truck. Um, unbeknownst to Woody, they had snuck away. So when, when he finds them and is like, oh my gosh, you guys, you're okay. Uh, they're climbing into a donation box that's on its way to the daycare. And and they're like, Andy was going to throw us out. So we're going to donate ourselves to the daycare so that other kids can play with us. And uh, Woody's like, no, no, no. He was putting you in the attic. I swear. They, well, they don't believe him. There's, there is a theme in this series of the other toys not believing Woody. That comes up more than once. Um, I would say quite fairly because the first time we see it, it's after he claims that he didn't try to murder Buzz when he yes. very obviously did try to murder Buzz. Right. Well, well, they should realize by the end of the first Toy Story that maybe they can start trusting Woody again. He lost some of that, I right. guess. Yeah, no, the character growth of Woody between the beginning of the first movie and the end of the second movie is just, it's its phenomenal. He's basically a saint by the end of the second movie in that he his heart is so focused on Andy and Andy's happiness. Like, he, he is Andy's toy, and he takes that job very seriously. And... Whereas in the first movie that manifested as jealousy, in the second movie, you really see that as like he, he could go off to the museum and be worshipped by other people forever, like admired by all of the museum goers, or he could keep being Andy's toy. And that that's something the prospector mentions in the film is that, look, Andy's not going to be around forever. Are you going to are you going to go with Andy to college or on his honeymoon? Like. He's going to grow up and he's going to not need you anymore. And this is your chance to live beyond that, that purpose. Um, and Andy turns him or uh, Woody turns him down, um, goes to find, goes to rejoin Andy and be Andy's toy. Like, um, so in, in the third movie, when all of the other toys are like, nope, we're going to the daycare. Andy doesn't need us anymore. Uh, Woody is telling them, no, you've got to come back. You've got to wait in the attic for Andy to come back because when Andy needs you, you've got to be there. That's your job. Um, and he's not able to convince them. They all go off to the daycare. Um, and Woody was accidentally with them when they left. So he's at the daycare and he's like, oh my gosh, I've got to get back to Andy before Andy goes to college. So the party splits up. Most of them are at the daycare. Uh, Woody's trying to get home. Uh, through misadventure, Woody ends up at a little girl's house um, and meets all of her toys. And they're like, oh, you escaped from the daycare? That's a terrible place. And all of your friends are in danger. Cut back to the other friends. They're at the daycare. Um, it's being run by this care bear knockoff called lotso it's like lots of hugging bear i think um lotso uh yep. and if you scratch his stomach he smells like strawberries 
Indeed, yes. Um, so Lotso is running this kind of like like a prison, and he's the warden, and he sends all the new toys off to the baby room where they are uh, not age-appropriate toys, and they're just getting completely abused by the kids at the school. Uh, so that's when um, all of Andy's toys decide they're going to escape this place and go back to the attic. The attic is starting to, to seem like a good idea after all of that abuse. Um, so what with one thing and another, Woody um, reunites with his friends. They all escape together. Uh, the only way out was through um the garbage chute they accidentally end up in the garbage um like they were they nearly got away but uh lotso stopped them and they all ended up in the garbage as did lotso and so they're at the dump and they're ready to be incinerated and they're all gonna die together and then uh deus ex machina or um some other toys in a machine the rescue claw. them the claw You've saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. Um, so they're rescued at the last moment, um, and they go back to Andy's house. And um, meanwhile, Andy has a change of heart about keeping his toys and putting them in the attic and decides instead to donate them Um and because Woody has written a little post-it note like, hey, why don't you think about donating these toys to this address? Um, and so Andy ends up taking the toys to the little girl that Woody had visited before. And so at the end of the movie, um, Andy and the little girl play with the toys together. So all of Andy's toys got to play with Andy one last time. And then they are left in the little girl's care. Her name is Bonnie. And Bonnie is a wonderful little girl who loves all of these toys and plays with them. And it's a happy ending for everyone. So that's Toy Story 3. And then why Toy did, Story... Why did you make me suffer through this, Tori? And then Toy Story 4 happens and wrecks all of that. Like, we had a happy ending and Toy Story 4 ruins it. Ruins That's, that's it. great if you're like me and skip Toy Story 3. So why don't you tell us about Toy Story 4? And what's so great about it? No, I don't want to talk about Toy Story 4. I want to tell you guys why I dislike Toy Story 3. Okay, go there. Because I don't know Toy... I've only seen Toy Story 4 once. Um, the, the only thing I will say is that I think it's better than Toy Story 3. But the only reason I think that is because I intensely dislike Toy Story 3. And I will tell you why. Um, I, I will say that while you were doing the synopsis and you got to the last scene... Uh, with Andy playing with the toys again, I rolled my highs so hard you could maybe hear it through. The oh, I was I was tearing up a little bit remembering about it. Oh, I'm yeah, sure that made you me were. Cry the first time I watched. I it. am sure you guys were. That and the garbage incinerator scene. I was like, oh my gosh, like I cried a lot. All right, so Craig, explain to us why you hate Joy. No, I. It's not that I hate Joy. It's that I think there's some major problems with Toy Story 3, and it caused me to dislike it. So let, let me give you a little bit of foundation here. Um, I saw Toy Story 3 when I was on my first cruise back when the movie first came out. So this would be 2010. Um, just the, the cruise that I happened to be on, that was one of the movies they played. They played it every night. The first time I saw the movie, it was fine. No complaints. It was like, oh, it's a Toy Story movie. It's okay. Um I didn't necessarily think it was better than the first two, but it was like it, it didn't offend me or anything. But I watched it every night 
every re rewatch, it got worse. I started noticing things that I missed the first time around until finally by like the fourth or fifth viewing. I'm like, I don't like this movie. I don't want to watch this movie anymore. And that is when I realized I did not like Story 3. Okay, so what are those problems? The problem is everything starting with the garbage collection scene onward. If they end the movie and they don't go off to the to the dump or whatever the heck they go, I would actually probably have been okay with the movie. I think everything after that was just ridiculous. I hate the Deuce Ex Machina mechanic of oh the claw like where did that come from like okay yeah it's a joke they keep talking about the claw but no i hate that and i especially hate the final scene because andy is all nostalgic that whole scene is made for us it's made for the viewers because we like the toys from toy story we're nostalgic about them is andy i don't know he didn't really care he's gonna put them up in the attic now suddenly he like cared about them and he wanted to play one last time. That is all fan. That was written completely for fan service. And I do not appreciate that. So my problems with the movie are essentially because of the end of the movie. I'm okay with the beginning of it. I'm okay with the middle of it. I just don't like anything after they get sent to the dump onward. Like you cut that of the film. I probably would have nothing to say right now about my thoughts on Toy Story 3. But because they kept that stuff in, there's so many problems with it. And to me, I think it makes a worse movie. Well, I think you're wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I and I know a lot of people really like Toy Story 3 and they feel like it's a good, nice, complete picture of like the Toy Story trilogy, at least until Toy Story 4 came out. And then I'm like, every time I hear that, I'm like, you guys are nuts. There's just so many problems with Toy Story 3. And... Like I said, my my so the, if we had to boil it down, the two main issues are the Dusex Machina mechanic at the very end and the nostalgia fan service fest that they ended with. Like those are my two major problems with the movie itself. If we had to distill it into actual things, um, yeah, I strongly disagree. the The issues with Toy Story three is that it's the same plot beats as Toy Story two, but it does them better than Toy Story two did. So actually rate them about equally because it gets points so, off for doing the same thing, but points on for doing it better. Yeah. Yes, it did it better. I think the stakes were higher because it's not just Woody who is lost. It's all of the toys. Um, and then to address Craig's deus ex machina point, like that, that was kind of set up. Like when they arrive at the dump, all the little alien critters are like, oh, the claw. And then the um, bulldozer truck comes and sweeps. You know, everybody gets separated and the little aliens are the first thing to go. Like you see Mrs. Potato Head screaming, my babies, because they, the, those are her adopted children. And so you wonder where, well, at least I did, because I cared about their outcome. Like, what happened to the little aliens? Where did they go? Like, I cared about that. So then when they turn up at the end and they're driving the claw, I'm like, of course they are. Because of course they are. But getting into Toy Story 4 ruins the happy ending. Okay, so at the end of Toy Story 3, you've got Woody and Buzz and all of the gang are with another child they're being loved and cared for they're being played with um woody is like 
a favorite again maybe not the favorite but is is still up there like the the little girl was all excited about him in particular like oh that's my cowboy doll um then toy story 4 starts and woody has he he's in the closet now like uh all the other toys get pulled out and played with and he's just being left in the closet the little girl does not play with him anymore um so woody is trying to accept that he's not the favorite um all of the other toys are like you, you know like just just be here for her and she'll play with you eventually um but woody feels like he knows this child and he's so connected to this child that he um is anticipating the child's needs so bonnie is going to kindergarten and she's nervous about it and doesn't want to go um and Woody decides he's going to kindergarten with her. So he sneaks into her backpack and goes to school with her. And when he sees her struggling, he tries to help her by uh, sneaking around and putting things uh, where she'll see them. And so she ends up with these craft supplies and makes herself a toy. Like her parents had told her, you can't take a toy to school because she had wanted to take a toy. And that was the reason that Woody snuck into her bag. Um, and all the other toys are like, don't do that. You're going to get her in trouble. And he's like, you know, she doesn't have to know I'm there for me to help her get through her first day of kindergarten. So first thing Bonnie does with these craft supplies is she makes herself a toy. And it's uh, a little, it's, it's, a, it's a spork with googly eyes and um, pipe cleaner arms. And she names it Forky, and that's her best friend now. And uh, Woody embraces that. Is like, this is what Bonnie needs. And Bonnie made this toy. And so we're going to do everything we can to make Forky a successful toy. And by the end of the movie... Woody has like abandoned the child and decided that, you know, if I'm not the favorite toy and if I'm not the played with toy, then I'm just going to go off and be a roving lost toy and just survive in the wilderness and like, uh, goodbye, my friends. Like, how did we get from here to there? Like, what, what happened? <laughs> we went through Toy Story 3. That's how we got there. Like, if they had just ended with Toy Story 3, I would be okay with it. But now I'm looking at Toy Story 4, and I'm like, you know, Woody went from being a buzz murderer to being Andy's toy to just, like, he really believed that being being there for a child was, like, the the pinnacle of what he could do. And then at the end of Toy Story 4, he's like, I don't need to be there for no child. I can be there for myself, which, okay, great message, but totally out of character for him. Like, yeah, the the end of Toy Story 4 just left a terrible bad taste in my mouth. So uh, you sort of touched a little bit uh, upon this, but if we want to look at the Toy Story series as a whole, it's, it is very bittersweet. Um if you look at the lives and the message, especially that is taught to us from the second movie onward, is that eventually the toys don't get played with anymore. Um, the owner moves, they, they grow up and they get tired of the toy. It's time to move on. Rarely you'll get someone who's a collector or... <laughs> Sorry, Mike just posted a picture to Discord. I wasn't expecting it. I should not look at this while we uh, record. Um, yeah, that that... The kids grow up eventually. Maybe you'll get someone who's a rare collector, but overall, the toys 
don't get played with anymore. And it's sort of sad because if if we take them as uh, sentient beings... Um, it's, it's very sad. You see what happens to Wheezy in the second movie, uh, the Jesse story. You get more of it with Lotso in the third movie talking about what happened to him. And, and I don't, it's, it's just sort of sad. Um, and it's like, how do you end this kind of movie? And I mean, I mean, I guess that's what Toy Story 3 tried to do. Like, hey, here's a happy ending for the characters that you like, uh, because they're going to be treated well by this other girl. And it's like, Okay, sure, that's that's fine, but it doesn't solve the overall problem, which is that this this happens to all toys everywhere. Um, eventually, their owners will grow up and they'll be stored in a box, donated somewhere, or just forgotten or destroyed. So what you're uh, saying is the moral of Toy Story 4 is that Woody made the wrong choice in Toy Story 2. He should have gone to the toy museum. Yeah, like... It completely negates all of the character growth that you see from two going into three. So it, like, yes, he could have just gone to the toy museum. And is that they really a good have... existence, though? I thought, the, I thought the whole. I, again, I've only seen Toy Story four once, so I'd have to watch it again to see if I can really get the message. But isn't it more for choosing, choosing to do what's best for himself? And being in a museum just to be looked at everyone, that's not necessarily good either. Um, I Honestly, when it comes to toys and how they're treated, I think the best case situation is the daycare, nursery, kindergarten, whatever, whatever it is. Like, there's always kids. The toys will get played with. Yeah, they're going to get destroyed, especially if in, they're in a toddler room. But at least at least they're played with. And having something there like that. Like that, I think, is the best case situation for toys in the Toy Story universe. Like, there's a lot of contradictions in the Toy Story universe with the toys. Um, so in in 3, when they're at the daycare and they're all getting played with and the kids are just wild and it's uh, it's hectic and chaotic and it's it, like you don't want that for them. It looks terrible. They They are not having a good time. But then yeah. in Toy Story 4, there is a scene where um, there's a bunch of toys that hang out, like lost toys that hang out at the local park. And then when the kids come um, from like a summer camp or a daycare or something uh, for playtime at the park, they play with all of the toys in the park. And the toys in the park love it they're digging it they're like oh hey man i just heard there's a birthday party over at the other place do you guys want to go and get played with there there's going to be a lot of kids and everyone's like yeah i'm so in let's go like they're excited to go and get played with by these random hordes of kids and why was it a terrible thing at the daycare but it's okay at the park like what yeah yeah i don't <laughs> think i'm gonna watch toy story 4 I think I'm good. No, there... I, I, I will rewatch it because, again, Toy Story 3 is the one I dislike. So I will watch Toy Story 4. But, hey, maybe it'll turn out I also don't like Toy Story 4. And I'll just watch the first and the second. And, and that will be it. I don't know. So I felt like 4 did some things right, just uh, you know, from from the perspective of someone who works with children and how, you know, I've done a lot of studying, like a huge part of my library school classes was about children and their cognitive development. Um, the, the way Bonnie is portrayed in Toy Story 4 is very well done for a child of that age and how she has made this toy out of trash and has fixated on it like that is a thing that kids do. Absolutely. Um, and how, 
you know, when she lost the thing and couldn't find it and she freaked out, like that, that was realistically done. Um, and the way Woody, um, takes it upon himself to make sure that this trashy toy stays with the kid because the kid needs the toy. Like I really admired Woody for that. Uh, it's only at the end of the movie when he completely changes his character, motivation and actions that i i can't get behind that but other things that they did well in toy story 4 um the antique shop uh that our characters encounter uh i could swear i've been to that antique shop before it looked just like an antique shop that i i go to on family vacation every summer when we go to new Braunfels, texas like it that that was fascinating and realistically done and a lot of easter eggs in there like there were things from other pixar movies showing up in the antique shop like um carl and ellie's house from up is i think a dollhouse or something in there um so mm -hmm. other lots of lots lots of easter eggs including the tin toy that we talked about earlier from the short film is in that movie um as an antique toy that's you know just roaming the um behind the booths of this antique shop uh, the ventriloquist dummies that are also in the shop that are kind of the bad guys, very well done. Like absolutely every, uh, horror movie that's ever had an evil dummy in it. Like, yeah, call back to that. Uh, and, um, the, uh, oh, also Key and Peel, uh, voice a pair of stuffed animals that are, completely hilarious i loved every scene they were in everything that they did and everything that they said i love it it's a rabbit and a duck and i think that's just their names is bunny and ducky and um they were hilarious and i love them and the evil knievel knockoff uh duke kaboom which is a little little guy action figure on a motorcycle um voiced by keanu reeves also amazing like that was amazing it's really just I, I cannot get over how that movie ended it just is so off to me all right i feel like we've discussed toy story enough um what do you guys want to do next month is dave ever going to join us probably not dave's not really a movie guy there could be others if we talk about if we branched out to video games or something he could be in um I think we're off to a good start. Um, Terminator, I think, is another very obvious one. Um, it's been a while since I've actually watched Terminator, so I don't really remember it. But I do know the second's better than the first. Yep, that's um, true. All right. That uh, seems Indiana like a Jones 3, better than 2 and 1. <laughs> like, that's a clear one. Ooh, uh, that would be interesting because I don't agree. Oh, snap! I, I agree that 3 is better than 2. I don't agree that it's better than the first one. Well, yeah. I mean, so the easy one is that it's better than uh, Temple of Doom, but that's that's like the lowest of the main three. Well, I think we should do that next because I, I think that would be a fun debate. All right. Yeah, let's 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 do that. So I, I refuse to watch Crystal Skull. Yeah. Yeah, that Whatever. doesn't exist. There's okay. that. No, what? There's no there's only three movies. OK, so. Craig is bringing Last Crusade is better than Temple of Doom, but we're also going to talk about Raiders. Sounds good? Sounds great. All right, so Craig, you were responsible for the for the Last Crusade recap. Um, I'll do Raiders. Tori, do you want to do Temple of Doom? Sure. Okay. All right, sounds good. Next month, we'll work out times later. All right, good night, Internet. Bye, everybody. Bye.